Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 54 of the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV podcast network. Today's guest, Casey Kelly, is a program director for the Health and Wellbeing Initiative of the George W. Bush Institute. She is responsible for the Warrior Wellness Alliance, a program that connects organizations providing culturally competent mental health care with organizations providing peer support for veterans in their post-military life. How do we work with other veterans to encourage them to tell their story and to help them realize that there's so much power in, in telling your story and talking about challenges and to help help veterans realize that that no one you know, is perfect and everyone is walking around fighting a battle that no one knows anything about. Um, and I just, you know, I think if, if there's one thing that we can do through the Warrior Wellness Alliance, I hope that we are able to um, work with our peer networks and empowering them to reach out for help when they need it. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veteran service members and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey folks, uh, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, listen and to learn more about veteran mental health. Uh, as you know, here on the show, we're trying to change the way that uh, we, uh, as veterans, as community, as providers, uh, think and talk about veteran mental health. And uh, and I really appreciate you coming along the journey with us. I'm, uh, I always say that I'm excited to have the guest on, uh, but uh, again, this guest I, I really am excited on um, having on. Uh, Casey Kelly is uh, with the uh, George W. Bush Presidential Center. Uh, and uh, even if that weren't enough, just a lot of the stuff that I've uh, learned and, and had a conversation with Casey over the last couple of weeks, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. So, Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dwayne. I'm thrilled to be here and really appreciate 
all that you've been doing to elevate awareness topics. Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, even as as well, I guess, uh, is is widely known, uh, like the Warrior Wellness Alliance and the uh, Bush Presidential Center is in getting this message out. I find that a lot of the veterans that I work with and a lot of my peers in the community aren't familiar with it. And so I'm glad to be able to kind of have a a way to get the word out and, and be able to talk a lot more about uh, what you're doing and what Bush Center is doing. So before we get into that, though, um, how about you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so as Dwayne said, I, I recently joined the Bush Institute. I'm, I'm, I'm about six months in um, as the director of their health and well-being uh, program in the military service initiative there. Before joining the Bush Institute, I served for 15 years in the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, most of that experience I describe as helping the system do things differently once we know something works. So, for example, I served at the National Center for PTSD when VA decided to launch the first ever uh, training and dissemination initiative, and that was in cognitive processing therapy. And then later, I had the good fortune of working under Secretary McDonald as part of prioritizing public-private partnerships. And then my final role in the VA was as the National Director of Public-Private Partnerships in VA's Office of Suicide Prevention. Um, had, had, had some great experiences, met amazing people throughout my VA time, um, and I'm really looking forward to continuing to help VA and veterans um, in my new role at the Bush Institute. So, uh, and that's really great, even as, uh, as, as most recent, I guess, as you've been with the Bush Institute. And again, it, it does have that connection uh, between sort of the national um, organizations getting the word out. But uh, your, your work at the uh, Office of Suicide Prevention, uh, so you were there at the time when uh, the VA released the report, the, the 2016 report on 2014 veteran suicides. Uh, suicide among veterans and other Americans. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So in that, uh, that has been uh, for me as a practitioner and a lot of the awareness uh, that I've, um, that I've been doing, uh, that is one of the most comprehensive reports that I've seen. Uh, it, of course, we know that's the one that's kind of set the, the 20 a day um, as the accurate model. I mean, the, the earlier 2013 report, I think it was, was, was just a sampling, but uh, there's been a lot of information that has come out of that particular report uh, that I think a lot of people are, are maybe surprised at. Um, would you be able to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, sure. You know, that, as you said, that really was the, um, the first comprehensive um, look at the data that, that we were able to um, analyze, uh, you know, as a system, um, VA and, uh, and otherwise. And I couldn't agree more that that report has, has been helpful, um, again, both inside VA and thinking about strategies, but I, I hope also for community organizations. Specifically, that report you know, shown a, a bright light on the fact that of um, the veterans who were dying every day of those 20, 14 of them had not engaged in VA healthcare two years leading up to their death. And, you know, as I like to say, you know, we, VA can't do it alone. If we're really going to crack this nut, we've got to figure out how do we get to those 14, if you will? How do we make sure that 
we're doing everything we can to connect resources that exist outside of VA walls um, and assure that the, the level of care and connection um, outside of VA exists as part of um, building out the ecosystem at large. No, I, and, and I absolutely agree. There's, uh, again, as I often say, I work with the VA, not for the VA, uh, because there is a need for community providers, uh, culturally competent community providers, uh, to be able to provide resources for veterans. Uh, of those 14 out of 20, as you mentioned in, in that statistic, when I saw that, um, that was, uh, it, it was pretty striking to me. Uh, some of them are not eligible for VA, um, perhaps either, you know, through they make uh, too much money or, or characterization discharge has gotten uh, um, a, a lot of uh, focus over the last uh, five or seven years or so. Um, and then there are those veterans that just simply maybe they think they, they know what the VA is like, so they don't want to access the VA. But just because they're not accessing the VA doesn't mean that they don't need support. Correct. Um, you know, there, there are some people who, who will never go to the VA, and, and that's fine. And, and frankly, you know, I, I don't know if we, as a, as a country, want a system in, in, what, in which all veterans go to VA for their care. You know, I think as, whether you're a veteran or, or a civilian, you know, having the opportunity to choose where you seek health care, I, I think, is important. And I think there are um, things that VA does really, really well, mental health care being one of them, but there are things that the private sector also does well. And again, we just have to figure out how, how do we better stratify, how do we better um, connect dots, how do we better partner um, in, in serving those who have served. Right. And I think that, uh, again, getting back out into the community and community providers, not community mental health providers like myself or, or agencies that I work with, but, but even general practitioners in the community. Another striking uh, statistic that I saw from that particular report was the greatest number of deaths in 2014 were veterans uh, age 50 and older, right? Yeah, you know, I think that's a misconception um, that is pretty pervasive that we're we're trying to um, we're trying to break um, and help people understand that you know our largest numbers really are white men over the age of fifty. Mm -hmm. Now that report also did highlight that when we when we look at rates, um, the the rates for post nine eleven veterans and our younger veterans are rising, um, as well as for women veterans. Um, and so we, we absolutely need to figure out how do we get ahead of that curve? How do we, how do we make sure that we're tackling um, the overall number of, of men um, who are over the age of 50, but also begin to get upstream and start tackling uh, the rates of our younger veterans so, so that we, we can avoid um, a perfect storm, if you will, down the road. Sure. And then just even in those three populations that you mentioned, older veterans, uh, I'm the son and, and nephew of Vietnam veterans, but, but they may have certain preconceived notions against the VA. As you said, there are some that will never, uh, um, you know, uh, access services at the VA, and they may be in that older population. They may be the ones that say, you know, the VA didn't help me out in the 90s. Why would it help me out now? 
the uh, the female veterans uh, may very well say that they've gone to the VA, and I've heard this very often. I'm sure you have as well. Uh, that they're asked, uh, "Oh, are you here to to take your grandpa to his uh, clinic, or um, you know, are you here for your husband?" And then the younger veterans think that the VA is for older veterans, right? And so there's all of these just misconceptions, as you said, that are basically keeping everyone from accessing the services that actually help. Yeah, well, and, and the thing that I, one of the things that is um, keeping my attention and that we are, we're hoping to tackle as, as part of our efforts through the Warrior Wellness Alliance at the Bush Institute is the, the issue that was recently highlighted in the, the latest RAND report um, on community care for veterans. Um, Terry Canelian was the, the, the primary author um, assessing the capacity of New York state healthcare providers to meet the needs of veterans. And we, we were really hoping that it was going to uh, demonstrate that community providers were better prepared to serve veterans. And fortunately, the data just, just isn't demonstrating that. Uh, one of the goals of the Bush Institute's Warrior Wellness Alliance is um, to increase the the capacity of quality care in um, in community settings um, as part of then helping veterans uh, navigate to quality. You know, we have this ecosystem now um, where it, it care is highly segmented and completely confusing to the consumer. Um, we, we don't have a lot of good data about the quality of care in the community. Um, in the, the care in VA and what VA is doing is, is often is in the, the headlines, as we all know, um, but there isn't um, a lot of opportunity to compare that to care in the community. And so we're hoping to use our platform at the Bush Institute to um, elevate awareness of that and, and to influence um, uh, better investment in uh, quality care. No, I really appreciate that. And, and I, as a community provider, uh, I've provided uh, cultural competence training to, to peers, of course, in, in my community and things like that. Um, in that uh, veteran mental health is different than just perhaps standard mental health. I mean, there are unique things uh, that veterans experience that make, uh, make things more complicated. Um, I've, I've seen in my, um, in, in my own personal experience where a provider who doesn't have a lot of familiarity uh, with veterans will automatically think the post-traumatic stress is the primary thing, that that is the first um, issue and the only issue and that all veterans are traumatized. Uh, and without that, um, you know, like you said, community providers aren't uh, as um, as aware as, as maybe prepared for that. So how is the Warrior Wellness Alliance helping community providers kind of do that? Yeah, so, so one of the ways that we are, are working through the Warrior Wellness Alliance um, is to just simply connecting high quality programs and influencing them to collaborate and to coordinate. Um, you know, the overarching goal of the, the Warrior Wellness Alliance is really to optimize the impact of innovative and high-quality programs that exist across the country and connect to the high-quality peer-to-peer networks that also have been stood up to support post-9-11 veterans. Um, and the goal for the alliance, it, it, 
you know, we have our, our traditional clinical side of the house, but we also have this in aggregate what amounts to over a million post-9-11 veterans that make up the peer network side of the house. And part part of how we are hoping to elevate quality care in the in the community is actually to arm our, our veterans who make up the peer networks with what to ask for when you are looking for um, evidence-based mental health care. What does that look like? What 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 does the data show about evidence-based treatments for PTSD or depression or substance use challenges? And then what are also some things that you can be doing that are perhaps um, more in the, the lane of health promotion? You know, we know that social connectedness and purpose, uh, having purpose are protective factors against um, suicide prevention, as an example. We also know that physical fitness and, and having some sort of um, uh, continued mission as part of a transition it, are also important factors. Um, and so we're, we're hoping to leverage um, the, the spectrum of care uh, across the alliance, across the 12 organizations that have come together um, to make up the alliance right now um, as part of really creating more of a public health uh, type of model related to uh, wellness and well-being. No, and even that, that's, uh, that's really great because a lot of times, and again, in my experience, uh, veterans will come see a mental health professional as a last resort um, after an emergency or after a crisis or um, they've, they've tried everything else. Uh, and it's more of a postvention or sort of a recovery thing uh, as opposed to an intervention, uh, something mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we, we kind of we, we perform maintenance on our on our vehicles and our equipment when we were in the military. But then we we don't in many ways um, do that for our mindset, uh, which is, you know, of course, really what this this blog and the podcast are about is to be able to provide those resources. But. You know, things like uh, partners that you have, the Mission Continues, Student Veterans of America, Team RWB, and Team Rubicon, among others. But but they they provide a very specific thing to veterans. Of course, Team Rubicon um, provides uh, meaning and purpose, but they're also hurricane relief. And, and, and I've known a lot of veterans that have gone out in that, that connection to service. Same thing with the Mission Continues. I've seen a lot of veterans that will go through the Mission Continues and then emerge into the nonprofit sector. Of course, Student Veterans of America is educational, Team Red, White, and Blue. So these are all focusing on a different you know aspect of the veterans' lives, but it's great to hear that trying to get in and say, oh, by the way, Team RWB, while you're going for a run, um, did you think about, you know, mental health and, and psychological health and things like that? And, and that's sort of a new way of thinking that hasn't really been in place over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, you know, it was one of, when I got, actually got the call about this job, it, it was one of the things that was the most exciting to me um, about about the role um, and and being an innovative strategy, and it was something that we were we were talking about uh, in my role at, in VA before I left. Is you know how how do we how do we better utilize um, these organizations that that are doing amazing things at the community level, um, and how do we do better? How do we better um, inform them and outreach to them and learn from them? You know. The, the Warrior Wellness Alliance, I've been just amazed at how, how much we've already been able to foster this sort of bi-directional 
um, uh, communication and to watch, you know, the, the researchers and the traditional, you know, psychologists, um, clinical side of the alliance um, just perk up when um, they have an opportunity to, to talk with the leaders of Team Red, White, and Blue and the mission continues, and vice versa. Um, there has been such a, a hunger on both, um, both sides of the alliance um, to really learn from each other and to figure out um, how they better program around and better refer across the spectrum of care that exists. Um, we, we stood up the new website at um, bushcenter.org slash WWA for Warrior Wellness Alliance for those who want to check it out as part of really spreading the word, helping, helping other organizations to learn about what the Alliance members are doing and to be able to connect to it. Um, and I, you know, I'd love for the audience to check it out and, and you know, provide me with any feedback that you might have about how we can better describe what the individual organizations are doing, as well as um, how we can we can better communicate about connection. Um, yeah, and I'll definitely make sure that the uh, the link to that uh, and and all of the other things are in the show notes. Uh, that uh, if you're if you're on a run with Team Red, White, and Blue right now, and you're listening to this, you can you can check it out later. Uh, but uh, the idea of you know these these organizations, um, New Age VSOs, or but they're providing a um, they're providing a need for the veterans. The veteran is looking for something, and they're actually providing an outlet for the veteran that they're maybe looking for uh, that they lost during transition or they lost out of the military. The transitional aspect of leaving the military, um, and again, very much in my experience for post 9-11 veterans, it can be challenging because they don't talk about mental health a lot when you're getting out of the Army or the Marine Corps or the Air Force, but it's a foundational aspect of success after the military. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, So, you know, the Alliance really is looking at how to tackle this through the framework of recognize, connect, and deliver. And, and what we mean by that um, is how do we leverage the, the partnerships that exist to enhance awareness of what might be um, the signs of, of the invisible wounds of war? How do we um, then improve the quality that exists? I mentioned that earlier. And then ultimately, how do we increase the numbers of veterans who may be experiencing the invisible wounds of war? How do we increase the numbers of those who are actually connecting to high quality? Um, The other thing that we are are getting ready to launch is is a, as part of the alliance, is is an integrated data strategy. Like all of these peer peer networks are collecting some level of information um, about their members as part of how do they you know, how do they improve or enhance their, their individual programming? Um, and we're hoping to foster and have, have committed some resources to, to looking at that data in aggregate and figuring out where there might be intersections, um, uh, again, across the, the 1 million um, post-9-11 veterans that make up these organizations. And then how can we then be more precise about connecting them to the right level of care when um, when they need it, you know, and I think that's really great. I mean, even uh, sharing that data, you know, veteran will will say, you know, um, I don't, you know, I don't feel well emotionally. I feel maybe disconnected or something, and 
And all I got to go do is uh, go chop down some trees with Team Rubicon. And I'm not, <laughs> that is not, of course, all that they're doing. And they do some amazing work. But all I need to do is go for a run and I hook up with Team Red, White, and Blue. Or all I need to do is get a degree and I go through Student Veterans of America. When that's not always enough, as you said, um, you know, these veterans with the invisible wounds of war, uh, not just post-traumatic stress, but also, you know, a traumatic brain injury and beyond. Uh, but there are some that need more than just what these organizations can support. And I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but these organizations are seeing the same thing. I've had conversations with Team Rubicon representatives here in Colorado that have said, you know, we do this really well, but, you know, some of our veterans are struggling with this over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason, you know, when we were selecting these different types of organizations, one, one of the things that became apparent to us is that um, we needed to have a, a, a spectrum of resources that exist across the care continuum um, in an effort to, to try to um, tailor um, the level of care based on needs, if you will, which is why we, we have a, a program in the Cohen Veteran Network um, the system that provides primarily um, or exclusively outpatient mental health care. Um, they also do a ton of work with, with families, um, which is unique. Um, but then in addition to the outpatient mental health care that Cohen provides, we also have a more intensive inpatient out, um, sorry, sorry, intensive outpatient programming that exists across the Warrior Care Network and the Marcus Institute for Brain Health. Um, the reality is, that, I mean, you, you see this probably every day more than I do, is that we're trying to create a, a system of quality for veterans that exists in a larger system of, of really challenged mental health care across this country. And, you know, my hope is that if we can increase our understanding of how to more precisely um, prescribe, if you will, the right level of care to meet veterans' needs, that ultimately that will change the landscape of mental health care in this country. No, I, I absolutely agree, Casey. I mean, and, and I see that on, on a couple of different levels. Again, on the local level here in Colorado Springs, uh, I worked for quite a bit in, uh, in the veteran homelessness space before I uh, went to clinical work full-time. Uh, and we were trying to approach, the, approach it from the same thing. If we can solve veteran homelessness, we can then extrapolate that into homelessness in general. And so I, I think in this, and if you can get a veteran to go into therapy, you can almost get anybody to go into <laughs> therapy. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that not, not that, well, maybe in this case, we are a difficult population. But uh, when, you know, I, I really like that to say, if we can solve this problem, um, then, then we can apply what we use to solve this problem to others. And, and I, I think that's a, a great model. Uh, I am, yeah. I am very much, uh, I'm familiar with Cohen Veterans Network I actually had, uh, Anthony Hassan on in one of our earliest, um, uh, podcast back in episode eight. And, and, uh, of course, uh, Anthony and I, and, and we've been talking for several years about this idea. Of course, the Marcus Institute is right up the road, like literally for me about, uh, uh, 45 minutes or an hour away in Denver. And so, and there's, there's the idea of the social and even peer to peer and how important that peer to peer is. But then there's a number of veterans that will need that next level care. Uh, and, and I think that's that's really important. It's good to see that the the Warrior Wellness Alliance is built up around that. 
Yeah, you know, we we recently had a, a working session of um, the Alliance members in Boston at the Etherdome. I'll put a little plug in for MGH for hosting us at the Etherdome, which is this um, historic building um, on the Harvard Med School campus. And it's where they used to do surgeries um, before there was anesthesia or an, an ether. And it, it really set the stage for what I wanted to communicate, which was that the Warrior Wellness Alliance has the opportunity of changing the landscape care for this country and um, we believe that um, and we want to do you know President Bush and Bush want to do everything in their power um, to serve those that have served us and to figure out how we do solve this um, and they feel incredibly passionate about it if you if you haven't noticed he, he speaks um, about this often um, in, in speeches, but the, the book that was released, Portraits of Courage, last spring, um, is a perfect example of um, the passion that he really believes about this cause and um, the stories that are behind those um, images are what drives um, his commitment uh, to the invisible wounds of war and finding solutions for the invisible wounds of war. Um, and all of the go to um, this program, um, the health and well-being program and our military service initiatives. So and, and I think it's it's really important, though, to highlight that not all veterans are suffering from the invisible wounds of war. Again, that's when we I guess in my experience, I, I kind of get the sense when I talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, it might give the impression that all veterans um, are, are struggling with post-traumatic stress or, or even family concerns or moral injury and these other things that I've talked about before. Uh, but that's not actually true. Um, I had uh, Marjorie Morrison from PsychArmor back on uh, episode uh, 53, I think it was. And, and she was talking about how when she was first working with Marine Corps Marines back in San Diego, that she said that uh, a lot of times some would come in and, and there wasn't a big issue. There wasn't a, a challenge that, that they maybe just needed somebody to talk with and things were really okay. But by having a larger number of veterans or, or even service members in her case access mental health care, getting used to mental health care, even talking to a mental health professional, that that caught a greater number of those veterans that are struggling and connected them with support. Yeah, we, we as a... Um you want to talk about the, the, the veteran supporting um, ecosystem, if you will. We, we, did a, we did a really good job of elevating awareness about post-traumatic stress um, and the invisible wounds. Um, and I think inadvertently, inadvertently sent the message that all veterans were broken. And that's just not reality. In fact, most veterans go back to their communities and become leaders um, e either in public service or in their employment settings. They outperform their civilian counterparts on almost every metric in um, academia as well as in employment settings. Um, and so, you know, I, I now am a little bit more deliberate when I talk about um, the urgency that I want everyone to feel about um, being there and supporting those who have served um, and also reminding folks that um, 
the large majority of veterans are leaders across our country, and um, we should not underestimate the, the power um, of them um, to lead our country in the future. Um, so I, th- I think you're right. I think we, we as a, a culture, need to do a better job of figuring out how we make sure to spotlight both sides of that story more accurately. And I don't even think that they're really mutually exclusive. Uh, a veteran who has overcome the invisible wounds of war, again, um, and, and, and more than just uh, post-traumatic stress, but, but sort of the whole gamut, they also, or, or they and are, becoming uh, those leaders as well. I mean, it's, it doesn't mean that, you know, if, and, and as you said, you, you hesitate to use the word broken or the, the idea of broken. You know, we're, we're not broken, broken, so I don't fix anything. I'm not a mechanic. The the idea of someone that has overcome this and post-traumatic growth can even strengthen the leadership of veterans in our communities. Yeah, there's actually an eloquent, I mean, it's a beautiful piece in Military Military Times, um, their new reboot um, web web publication. It was a piece by Dave Smith, um, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, um, Dave Smith happens to be a, um, a Team 43 alumni, and so it was flagged for me, but I have read it, I bet I've read it 10 times, and I think about it um, at least once a day since I read it, because it, it he so beautifully talks about the power of vulnerability and the strength of reaching out for help, and he he talks about how he was in a closet with a gun in his mouth. Um, and, and he ultimately found the courage to reach out for help and just how liberating that was for him. And, you know, I wish I could bottle that up and figure out how do we work with other veterans to encourage them to tell their story and to help them realize that there's so much power in, in telling your story and talking about challenges. And to help help veterans realize that that no one, you know, is perfect and everyone is walking around fighting a battle that no one knows anything about. Um, and I just, you know, I think if, if there is one thing that we can do through the Warrior Wellness Alliance, I hope that we are able to um, work with our peer networks and empowering them to reach out for help when they need it. No, and I think that's a great example. Um, you know, maybe uh, Dave's ears are going to be burning because that's literally who I was just thinking of whenever I said someone who was able to overcome these and become a leader. Uh, I just recently, uh, Dave um, is a, a colleague of mine. Um, he was actually on the show back in episode 26 talking about stigma uh, with, uh, with the Veteran Mental Health Boot Camp. Uh, but I just saw something recently where he's, uh, he's trying to take a lead in Team Rubicon Norway. Um, again, in his selected community, even not a U.S. community, but a global community, that he's taking the lead um, in, in, in even doing these kind of things. But you're right. He has been an outspoken uh, advocate for, um, for just saying, you know, get it done. 
you know, just get out and, and, and suffering, if that can be the word, in this way is not going to be beneficial. That can actually keep veterans from maybe taking their place as leaders in their community. Uh, and I have this, and I've written about it before, the idea that veterans of, of this particular cohort have the ability to be this century's greatest generation. We have the ability to really uh, take the lead over the next 20, 30 years, but we also have the equal danger of becoming the post-World War One lost generation. And there's going to be veterans that are kind of splitting into these two camps. Uh, and some of them that are not addressing their concerns, healing from their wounds, uh, and moving on and making a significant impact. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and I think, again, like going back to the Bush Institute's Warrior Wellness Alliance, I think we are uniquely positioned to, to use the platform that we have in President Bush um, to, to facilitate and, and influence um more more veterans through 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 the leadership of President Bush. You know, I think it's one thing if a Casey Kelly makes makes an ask or makes a suggestion, but when you have your former commander in chief asking you to take a step, um it's a whole different. It's a whole different ballgame. Right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's a. It, and it is a, maybe it's a, a a different and and very admirable use of the bully pulpit. But you're exactly right. Um, you know this uh, this guy in Colorado can be talking whatever he wants, and and people are like yeah yeah okay, but then not break down that stigma. But uh, when President Bush and Mrs. Bush come out, and and you know. <laughs> figuratively and even literally from what I've seen, put their hand on somebody's shoulder and look them in the eye and say, look, get help because we're going to need you for the next 30 years. That's, that's exactly. impactful. Exactly. Um, and, and then, you know, I think given where we sit um, organizationally, we also are able to serve as the, um, the honest broker if you will, of what what quality programs look like, um, and so you know, if, if we if we succeed at empowering veterans to reach out for help when they need it, I think we will also be able to help them navigate through a confusing um, system of programs that have been stood up over the past fifteen years to identify and find those those programs that are quality because we do know that treatment works right like that that is the good news um if once you can reach out for help there are tools um in the tool bag that um are actually effective of course we need more <laughs> but we do have some that that are are working really well no, and I, and I really like that piece, too, because even going back to the RAND studies uh, that you quoted, the one about New York that just came out and then the one uh, several years old about, you know, just mental health professionals in general nationwide, um, that uh, a, a <laughs> anyone, and, and I am in an industry where we want to help people, we, we have big hearts, this is, we're not, we're not in this to get rich, right? We want to, and, and so people will stand up and say, oh, I can help a veteran, or I can do this, and I can do that, and, and veteran, come see me. But, but this work isn't really for the faint of heart. And so someone who's not 
as you say, someone who's not familiar or quality um, or, or has been vetted in some way might be doing more harm than good. So I appreciate even that aspect that the National Clearinghouse, not to say in or out, I mean, any organization I think can 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 use these resources, but to say, these are the organizations that are doing it the best. Let us help you do it the same way they are. Right. We, we, we think that we are, um, the Bush Institute is uniquely positioned um, to identify um, what, what the standard should be. We think that we have the convening authority to bring the right subject matter experts together um, to identify what, what does quality look like. And when we talk about increasing capacity of quality throughout the country, who is best equipped or which, or which organizations are best equipped to do the training? How do we utilize technology? Um, and, and how do we shine a bright light on what good looks like and do more of that? Um, again, the, the first time I met President Bush, he said, um, you know, he, of course, he was very gracious and said, thank you for being here. And then he said, I don't want us to be another think tank for this Warrior Wellness Alliance. I want us to be a do tank. I want you to figure <laughs> out what good looks like and go do it. <laughs> so that's all at the forefront for me is what does good look like? And let's go do more of that. Um, so. You know that's that's really great, and this is uh, this is actually something that's been bouncing around in my head uh, most recently. Is um, uh, the person who has chocolate, they have a lot of value, and the person who has peanut butter has a lot of value, but the person who introduces the two of them combines the value and makes it exponential. And that seems to be, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what the Warrior Wellness Alliance is trying to do. Clinicians, you're doing this great work. Organizations, you're doing this great work. Let's combine and provide exponentially greater work. Exactly. How do we optimize the great work that's, that's currently out there? Um, how do we reduce duplication of resources and increase effectiveness? Ultimately, connecting more warriors to the, the right level of care when they need it. No, I, I think this is, uh, I, I knew it would be great uh, as, uh, as we, we connected, but uh, this sounds like something that is, is sorely needed. Look, from a clinician standpoint, uh, where I'm in a community where we have a large number of veterans, um, Colorado Springs, Colorado uh, is similar you know, in size perhaps to maybe San Antonio or, or Norfolk. Uh, you know, we, there, there are a lot of um, military service members and veterans in the community, uh, and and looking at it from the outside, say not not the outside of the Warrior Wellness Alliance, but looking at this, there's a group of us that are trying to say, this is what we need. This is what we need in our country is someone to come in and say, okay, these are the ones, not, again, not to, not to give a stamp of approval, not to give a seal, not to, but to be able to say, this is where you can go to get best practices. Because again, the VA can't do everything. One agency can't do everything. And, and not all veterans want to access that. So I really want to uh, congratulate you on the work you're doing with the Warrior Wellness Alliance and, 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 I'm, and say I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you. As my boss would say, we are very much in the sausage making of it. You know, it's, we, we, have, we, have, we have commitment um, from all 12 organizations 
Um, and we are really figuring out how do we operationalize it at this point. I've been really thankful for um, some Deloitte consultants. Deloitte gave me um, three FTE on a pro bono basis for the past eight weeks with the, the, the strict goal of helping me figure out how we operationalize our, our model and what our business strategy would be and our value proposition, if you will. Um, and I, I think going into our next alliance meeting in, in April, we are um, so much better positioned to be able to, to make some decisions and begin to start executing on those. For example, one of the things that I mentioned that the Warrior Wellness Alliance is embarking upon is the um, integrated data strategy. Um, in addition to that, we will be launching in May a, um, a, a voluntary social media database, um, a data repository. Um, you know, the, you know that we we talk about post-9/11 veterans as if they're sort of one group, and the reality is there are various subpopulations mm -hmm. within within our post-9/11 um, veteran group, and we need to better understand what what are they looking for online. What types of um, organizations are they searching for? Where where have we gone wrong in the past um, in program in developing programs, and how do we how do we better do that in the future? Um, and so the opt-in social media data repository will be the first of its kind, um, and will really help us paint a clearer picture of um, what post-9/11 veterans need and what they want when it comes to health and well-being. And we're, we're thrilled to be launching this um, later in the spring and look forward to actually having um, a clear understanding of how we, how we outreach and how we program around that, uh, what the data tells us. No, I, I like that you highlighted that um, because, uh, as you said, post 9-11 veterans uh, can can almost, I'd imagine, span three separate generations. Some of our most senior leaders in 2001 and 2002 uh, were of my father's generation, right? They were they were you know, who had joined in, in the mid 60s and, and have have come through. And then, of course, I, I started deploying halfway through my career. Um, and we have, um, you know, this is this is unfortunate, but the last veteran of the global war on terror might not even join the military yet um, because okay. of, of how long we're, we're going on here. Uh, and so this is this is something that that is going to span a wide range of uh, of individuals. And then even, you know, what works with post 9-11 veterans can then be extrapolated into Cold War veterans uh, and Gulf War veterans and, and that sort of uh, in between service, too. And and the rising tide lifts all boats. You've uh, you've got me excited, Casey. I, I'll definitely <laughs> um, I mean, it's in and as good as the work is doing. And this is some of my frustration is. I knew of the Bush Center. I, I knew what it was doing, uh, but not to this level. Uh, and and I do this for a living. I seek stuff out and things like that. Uh, most veterans don't don't know this, and so we got to figure out a way to get uh, to get the information out there wider. Well, I, I I will be looking looking back to you once we once we kick this effort off, and um, would love your help and anyone's help on 
on the line with elevating awareness about um, the opportunity uh, related to the social media media data work, um, but also in helping share um, our website um, as it represents, you know, the 12 best-in-class organizations that that exist. Um, thank you for putting it uh, on the on the uh, website. I will also just say it one more time: it's bushcenter.org slash wwa. Um, you know, I I am thankful for how much goodwill um, is out there in supporting veterans and this recognition that um, everyone can do something. Um, and you know, I want to use the the platform of the Warrior Wellness Alliance to help folks figure out um, what that something is um, in a real concrete and meaningful way. No, that's absolutely. You've got uh, you've got somebody. I'll, I'll definitely uh, even when this comes out. But uh, but if we keep connected and and get through all the social networks and the Changer POV podcast and and the Headspace and Timing Network, uh, that we'll definitely make sure that gets pushed out. Now, if uh, if if anybody wants to maybe connect with you in in order to maybe get a head start on uh, on, on sharing some of this stuff, uh, how can they hear from you? Get a hold of you? Uh, and uh, and communicate their questions. Um, sure, our our website is military service at bushcenter dot org, and we check that daily. So you you can find find me or any of my military service um, uh, initiative colleagues there. Um, and Dwayne, I do also want to just say thank you to you. Um, you are single-handedly changing the conversation about mental health um, across the, the veteran landscape. And um, I, I so value what you're leading um, and how we can better utilize technology to have these types of conversations. And I appreciate your efforts um, to tell your story and um, to encourage and spotlight um, for other people um, the good work that is happening across our country. Well, I, uh, I appreciate that too. I'm, I, uh, I kind of joke, I have a growing fan club. Now there's my wife, my mom and you. <laughs> so there's three in my fan club, but no, there's uh, it, it, but I, I do appreciate that. And I think this is something that, um, I think about using new tools in new ways rather than using new tools in old ways. Um, and, mm-hmm. and even much the, uh, the guys that sort of, uh, uh, run this, uh, this chicken coop, uh, Eddie and Bennett with the change your POV podcast, uh, giving a recognizing that there's, there's something about federal mental health. We need to have a conversation. It can't be something that's, that's, uh, that's, that's secret anymore. Uh, it has to be out front, uh, or else we're going to find ourselves split into the lost generation or this century's greatest generation. And, and, and I think we all know where I and you and, and the rest of us want veterans of this, uh, this generation, this this era to kind of go. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Any last thoughts? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I, I think we've covered it all. Um, well, you, you definitely have a uh, standing invitation. Uh, anytime you or, or anyone else um, would, would like to come on and, and kind of uh, update or, or announce anything new, uh, feel free to reach out and we'll have you back on the show. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm going to say yes to that, and, and then we'll figure out when. 
the the answer is yes what is your question <laughs> thank you <laughs> have a great afternoon you're listening to headspace and timing on the change your pov podcast network the warrior wellness alliance is a program that's right up my alley there are many organizations doing great things for veterans and we featured a few of them on the show This program is focusing on bringing veteran mental health to the veteran through the organizations they're involved in, like Team Rubicon, Team RWB, and Student Veterans of America. As I mentioned in our discussion, these organizations are doing some great things very well, and mental health professionals can join them. You might have heard my conversation with Alicia Kara Query on episode 45, talking about the results of the National Academy study that looked at VA mental health care. One of the most striking statistics for me that came out of that study was that nearly half of the 4,000 veterans that took part in it screened positive for a potential mental health condition that impacts their life, their family's life, and their community. Of those half, nearly half of those didn't even perceive that they had a need for mental health treatment. Something wasn't quite right, but they didn't realize it. Of the remaining number, 16% of those that knew there was something not quite right weren't getting help for it. That means only 3 out of 10 veterans who need mental health services were accessing them. More shockingly, 35% of post-9-11 veterans could potentially benefit from mental health counseling services, but are not getting them because they're not aware that they have a problem or they don't want to get help. That's where the peer support programs and the Warrior Wellness Alliance comes in. That 35% that need help but aren't getting it are likely members of the six peer networks in the Alliance. Team 43 from the Bush Institute, the Mission Continues, Student Veterans of America, Team RWB, Team Rubicon, and the Wounded Warrior Project. Getting these organizations who are meeting the needs of veterans across the country to understand more about veteran mental health, that's the mission of the Warrior Wellness Alliance. And that's my mission with this blog and podcast, to raise awareness about veteran mental health and connect veterans to the services they need. So now for a couple of announcements. One is directly related to this conversation. In early April, the George W. Bush Institute released the names of the inaugural class of their Stand to Veteran Leadership Initiative, and I'm pleased to announce that I'm one of them. This is an amazing opportunity to take the message that I've been talking about here and work with fellow veteran advocates from across the country to help make a difference in the transition process. You can find more about that program by going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash stand to and follow the link to the complete list of attendees. For six months, starting of June of 2018, I'll be joining 33 of my colleagues once a month to learn and collaborate in order to make a difference for our brothers and sisters. This selection process was still going on when Casey and I had this conversation, so neither of us knew about my participation in it. After talking about the Warrior Wellness Alliance, though, I was even more excited about this opportunity. I do have to personally thank Dave Smith, my guest on episode 26, and Danette Patterson, my guest on episode 40, for their personal encouragement and support. And I want to thank you, the listeners of the podcast and the readers of the blog. Your continued encouragement and feedback give me the fuel to keep going. And if that weren't enough, my latest book, Combat Veteran Don't Mean Crazy, has been released on Amazon. I've got a whole list of people to thank for this one, but I really appreciate Dr. Mark Stebnecki, one of my previous podcast guests, for the amazing foreword, and my fellow hosts on the Changer POV Podcast Network, Eddie, Bennett, Jeff, and Andrew, for their continued support. The response to the book has been great. I've been getting some good feedback from readers and listeners who are interested in getting a real book in their real hands in real life. If you want to check it out, you can find it on Amazon or through a link in the show notes. I'm going to be giving away some free copies in the upcoming episode, and I've had several longtime listeners and readers ask if I would sign their copy if they send it to me. First, that's kind of strange for me, but okay. Second, if you do pick up a copy and like for me to do that, drop me a line at duane at 
I'll send you the shipping instructions and all that kind of stuff. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn or message me on Twitter. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV podcast network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com or ChangeYourPOV.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows in the Change Your POV podcast network. The show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds. The show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods. The show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday. And Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out, because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic tendency, embrace my ability
Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.